It's me, Skin, and welcome to another episode of Skin Tings, a podcast where I spill the tea with some of my favorite musicians. To all you who have already liked and subscribed to the podcast or left a comment, thank you. You are all legends. In this episode of Skin Tings, I was joined by Mena. Uh, Mena is an artist from Texas. She's currently residing in Nashville. Um, I met her when I did a songwriting thing that I did in Nashville for a week. Um, really just a wonderful place to go and write songs if you're an artist. It's just so filled with so many incredible people to work with. Um, and I must admit, she walked in the room and I thought, there's a star. And then I sang with her and I was absolutely blown away. Uh, she's a, a bit of a producer, she's a writer, deeply into lyrics, deeply into getting across what she feels in her heart. And probably one of the best singers I've ever been lucky enough to be in the room with. Really just a joy to hear her voice. So here she is. Um, I hope you get to know her a little bit better after that. Um, her name is Mena. Enjoy. I'm just really happy to catch up with somebody who I spent a day with just before COVID in Nashville. Um, And you know when you are just in awe of another artist and I kind of, in my head, like, I'm going to stay in contact with this woman. Uh, Definitely we want to write together because we're at a writing clinic in Nashville. Her name is Mena uh, from Mena Nation and she is incredible. And I'm just so happy to finally catch up with you after a couple of years. How are you doing? Yes, it's good to see you. I'm just so like pinch me. I'm honored that that uh that you think we should be friends. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that we've kept up on Instagram and we uh we'll still write we'll write again. We but will we, will write we did. Again. We met right yeah, we met right before just all hell broke loose. Mm. We had I had planned a trip to New York to come right with you yeah. in like March or April. <laughs> exactly. And literally in March it was just like crazy. But um so it's interesting. Cute. I think that when you want to kind of keep friends and, and stay in contact with people, you just do. That's what I always say to people, you do. It's yeah. not hard. I was just kind of like I mean, I have so many questions because it's I didn't I haven't got to sit down and have a coffee with you for a long time. So right. um but first of all I think as an artist, it, it's interesting how artists uh, answer this question, but how was your COVID in terms of creatively? Because mm. I mean, for some people, there's been a lot of silver linings and then some people it's been like down and up and down and up. And obviously for a lot of people, it was just hard. But as an artist um, and personally, how did you find just, you know, being stuck at home for a couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years. So there were eras. The first era was, well, just creatively crushing, like just nothing and then watching all these other creatives have this little renaissance personal renaissance of their like extra version at home and i was like oh that's that's cool good for you yeah (laughs) oh wow i'm so glad this was so empowering and creative for you i'm dead um so there was there was that and then um because i had also planned on like launching some shows and tour stuff that year um and that was crushed as well I just turned, okay, well, I have a stack of songs I've been meaning to cut. So I recorded and and produced. I have like a dozen songs that I'm going to release once a month. And so that was really, really productive. Um, And then uh, my favorite thing I've learned from the before times and then COVID was before I was writing like four or five times a week. And now I write, I have co-writes as little as possible. So I collect song bites like you saw I was like writing 
And then I have a few songwriters that I bring in to say, like, I think this is a good fit for you. Will you help finish and coax this out? As opposed to just, like, throwing things against the wall every day. Right. Um, so I'm trying a different a different process of, like, less is more and maybe densifying or having a little more purpose to my rights. So right. there were some things gained, I think, learning how to say no or discernment of... I really loved canceling everything, so now I'm <laughs> saying, like, you know, what do I uncancel? What do I actually want to do and what, what were obligations? So there was mm. some personal growth for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to ask you a lot of questions about your songwriting just because I know it's one of the art forms that you're so strong at. I just want to quickly just jump backwards and talk about some of your inspirations because your voice to me... You know, I'm just gonna like you know lick your ass for a minute. But I, when we when we we want this songwriting clinic, and basically what they do is they take a producer, a songwriter, and a musician, and they pair everybody off as like 20, 30 people. And so each day you write with a different group of people. So they pair you up. If I I was a singer uh, and a writer, obviously, so they paired me up with a musician and a producer every day because I was like, no, I'm not that good a producer. That I'm gonna sit there and just produce, you know, even though I do know how to do it. Um, and, uh, and so right at the end of the week, after having some like really good, a couple of good days and mainly disastrous days, I got paired with you and another guy called Paul, who was also equally amazing. Um, and it just kind of like, oh, this is what this songwriting clinic was supposed to do. So remember we wrote this song and we were in the process of writing this song and we really got in deep into it. And then you just started singing it and I remember turning and looking at you and thinking oh my god what a voice just really <laughs> yeah it was this moment and I've only had that two or three times when I've been in a room with Whoa. a really astounding voice that's right sitting next to me um and I was gonna I was gonna ask you where where did you get the inspiration from in terms of like you, you know you're from Nashville you live in Nashville but you're from yeah. Austin Texas so yeah. Did you, I mean, obviously Nashville has a really deep songwriting tradition, but who were those early artists that you got into? What was the reason why you thought, okay, I'm going to write a song on a piano? Yeah, I didn't start writing until early 20s. Um, When I was a kid, uh, my family is very musical. I've got jazz uh, musicians in my family. Um, I guess a kind of long, dense little line of jazz fun. So I remember like childhood, uh, mom and Paul getting us into... um, we would go to the Elephant Room, which was a downstairs jazz club in Austin, and they would sit in there and stuff. So I had that, and then I had high school choir, and that was pretty much my musical education. But then songwriting didn't come until I moved to Nashville. I waited tables. I actually kind of canceled the idea of doing music because everyone was doing it. It seemed kind of boring, and the Nashville scene was it was hard to see myself in because I just thought, oh, this is boring. It's kind of country <laughs> and country. It's kind of country and, and country. And then country. And so I was like, oh, I'll wait tables. I'll do art. I'll be a visual design. You know, I'll do some visual stuff. And I did visual arts. And then, and then I came back to music. And I just out of necessity, no one's pitching me songs. So I had to write some. So I wrote a few songs. I made an EP off of very baby songs. And then after that, I... I realized that I actually really liked the art of songwriting and and piano was a piano we had a piano in the home and my brother played guitar but I just you know I learned the basics of inversions on piano with family members but yeah so all just necessity of loving singing and needing to do all the other stuff to support that so 
because so historically, you know, your first records were like in jazz records or they more country records or? Uh, well, Boys to Men was my first concert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think I like fell asleep on my dad's lap Boys, or something. I, I, I loved Boys to Men. I did. I'm sorry. It's, right? It's, 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 it's creepy, but I, you know, end it's of the road, good. end of the road, I still it's, listen to I was Come on. Yeah, I was thinking into the road. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I would think, when I think back of who meant something to me so- in songwriting, it would be India Ari, Voyage to India, the album. Yeah. Because she, um, I think she's, like, one of my early, like, spiritual leaders because she baked such intention into her music, and she did it in such an amazing, like, it was somehow commercial, but it was really, like, mm. dense with meaning and reason. And, like, she has such a high regard for the responsibility of music and the holiness of the work. So, like, India Ari, um, Joni Mitchell was a pretty early, like, discovery of songwriting and, like, Cat Stevens. So, some folk. And then, I mean, those. I think those are probably some good hallmarks of songwriting. And mm. then, not that I write like her, but Lauren Hill, also the type of storytelling mm. that she did in um miseducate or miseducation yeah, of, of Lauren Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah. And like mm-hmm. I know every word of that. Of course that was the time when you didn't have like Spotify, you had like a C D. <laughs> yeah. And so you learned every note of whatever you, you had just to played listen it and to. played it and played it and played it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting you came to, to Nashville and decided against it because I definitely felt when I was there I was like this is a real hotbed and the center of songwriting universe. I don't know yeah. any town that has so many publishing houses and everywhere you go yeah. there's just live music everywhere. Um and a lot of it was kind of cliche country music. Yeah. And you know even I I I have a playlist which is like the hottest kind of Nashville playlist just because I'm just I'm always looking to see if anything good's coming out of country, you know. Um, I I find it very um, amazing, uh, but I find nowadays it's a little bit so formulaic, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But at the same time, I feel like there's this other side to Nashville, which is your side that you you seem to be on, which is the more kind of creative indie, really developing the songwriting, seeing it as a spiritual thing, seeing it as an art form. And Nashville, for me, historically, we can we can see why it became this kind of hotbed. But, I mean, in that atmosphere, how was it to try and develop your own songwriting style? How was it to find something different and something unique? Yeah. How was that working in that environment? You know, I think, like, I'm tuned out a little bit. Like, I mm-hmm. always kind of joke with my, my of co-writers that are very deeply... Uh, involved in the Nashville community and know people and are prolific writers and have like great like successes and are just amazing and I lean on them to like know stuff when they come in the room because I kind of uh, tune out and even with pop music because I I would say that's probably the genre I'm in I am careful not to like listen to too much because I'm a little bit of a sponge and I know that what I consume will come out so I think on the for the most part I like in a in maybe a funny or or like self-aware way I I kind of ignore other hmm. music. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, like it's you know what is I think there's I think that, that we we are um maybe so much now but we hear so much of in terms of super commercial music we hear it everywhere yeah. we go and it's really yeah. hard to ignore it so I definitely yeah. think there's a part of us that has to tune out of it because it just seeping and leak in. Um, yeah. and, and it tends to be the worst stuff that seeks and leaks in and mm. then you have to go searching for the really good stuff that you want to be influenced by right right and I think it's almost like food like if it's like don't get me wrong Snickers bar delicious 
you know readily readily available yeah readily available yeah exactly and but i think like if you really believe like i do feel kind of burdened or called to like do something and not just um take a shot at a success that i could have but i like actually like bring bring a future like bring something very special and and i think that maybe my inspiration comes from visual arts yeah i tried to like not listen too much to uh top 40 um because i can lean on my producer to know like what's going on sonically um but i like spotify radio to find weird stuff and good stuff so i love glass animals and i always have and so I found a favorite song of theirs and put on Glass Animals Radio. And that's how I found Still Woozy, which is like melodically and just everything is so inspiring to me. And so you can just kind of rabbit trail into that. And I don't need to listen to Olivia Rodrigo. Like, that's fine. That's she, you know, bring bring your thing, girl. But um, yeah, I it's, just want to find. It's interesting how songwriting has changed because, I mean, I, I find like you, you mentioned her, but there's a, for me, um, you can see that there's like producers that just write a bank of songs and all they do is replace the voice, you know, yeah. um, and that's where you why we get the top 40 sounding like that. Because yeah. there's literally two or three huge producers that yeah. write everything and write for everybody yeah. from Adele to Justin Bieber. Um, and they just have a sound and that the sound is what's successful. And anybody could record those songs, you know, it doesn't really yeah. mean anything. So I think especially now in terms of songwriting, I think what's important about that is that then somebody comes along and they'll just do something completely against the grain and then that's what people, that's become successful. Like Billie Eilish, for yeah. instance, because that's what people are hungering for, something that's different, right. you know, whereas the top 40 is. And now, but then people will take Billy and, and then like copy that. Do some sync writing <laughs> and they're like, oh, we just want something kind of Billy Eilish ish. And I'm like, no, oh, God. don't do that. Yeah. Leave that to her. That's her job. Be yourself. Bring yeah. what you have. Mm, exactly. And, and again, like, even I don't try to listen to her too much because there's also like a cultural, like a top 40 pronunciation guide that kind of everyone evolves and starts to pronounce and like sing the same way. Yes. Um, and I think it's funny and there's, you can hear the eras of that, you know, you can hear. So hold on a minute. So is uh, is that an actual fact or is that less like you've been cheeky? There's a top 40 pronunciation guide. No, no, there's definitely not. But like everyone, <laughs> you can just for a minute there, I was hear, like, that cannot be. You can true. hear the trends. Like you can actually hear the 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 yeah the rhythms of like the a pop punk effect is now like now everyone is going to pronounce things a little bit cool and like this instead yeah. of before it was like maybe of a British effect you know a pretend British thing yeah. you know it's just the kind of <laughs> ebb and flow into like well that sounds cool I'm going to sing like her yeah but yeah yeah I, I know also you have that in terms of the um just the topics like you know I was doing I was doing a shoot yesterday and they put on something it was like uh and I'm gonna da, 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 you know it's mumble rap and it's like rap and oh, I was yeah. like oh, for god's sake someone change the playlist because it sounds yeah. it's so ignorant and dated and yeah. means nothing it, yeah. just a bunch of guys with tattoos on their faces doing it sounds like followers thing. yes yeah. the exact same thing yeah. I saw that was cool I want to be him let me try yeah. that just, instead of finding your full authentic self and being like putting that out there I love how that you are really aware of the spiritual connection to songwriting I mean in terms of like your songwriting what were the kind of things that you found were your biggest mistakes and, and things that really worked for you because you were talking a bit about how you worked in COVID and how 
COVID has changed. I think for a lot of people, especially people who write um, songs and have little mini studios, has I think COVID changed the face of songwriting. For instance, I would write a song and I'd record it into my little thing and then I would go to my engineer and we'd work it out and he would engineer it and blah, blah, blah. And then we have a demo, we have a song. You know, I'd go to, I would always take it to someone else because I don't want to spend 10 hours trying to find a kick drum sound or something. And now I build a studio in my, uh, my listeners already know, so I build a studio in my house. I think I just started it after, you know, um, we were chatting the second time. Um, and it's changed the whole nature of how my band are going to write songs, how I write songs and how we are going to do stuff. And in my head, I'm like, God, I should have done this 10 years ago. What, what, were you, what did you find in terms of your songwriting were the, the, the greatest things and the worst things in terms yeah. of how you write stuff, stuff now? Well, I'm still an absolutely awful engineer. I've learned that, but I, and I don't, I, I don't really want to get too good at it, but I do, I made agreement with myself that I wouldn't buy anything, uh, any plugins. So I just have logic. I'm not gonna, I don't want to become a professional producer yeah. um, at this point in life. So the difference is that, like I said, with fewer co-writes and I did not do zoom rights. I did like three and I was like, this I is, hated the them. is, yeah, is I hated there's them. no vibe. There's no sauce. I I've only had them. a couple that succeeded. Um, so having chunks finished by myself and now I'll even just for fun, like demo a chorus and then I'll bring like Lauren Hungate or Jessica Sharman, like favorite co-writers in and be like, Hey, what do you think of, here's a couple track ideas because I do kind of think in beats. So I throw a little beat in there, I throw maybe a stupid like organ idea and then I sing layers on it. Um, so having chunks and even like there's songs that are finished that I want to bring to my producer and pitch as like here's our next round of cuts. But I get I want to have a little date with them before where I make a terrible demo that has some cool ideas in it. And so I can make sure my my voice and my intention is heard and then is interpreted by the two of us as we work on it together. So, but I have been um I mean, I've been recording at Mark's uh, Mark Siegel Studio as well. It's interesting. It's made me uh, maybe trust myself or believe in myself a little more and say like, well, I could maybe write a whole song by myself. I don't need, I don't have to have it co-written. Yeah. You um, just do it all yourself. It's just, yeah. you know, and then you can just piece yeah. it together. Logic is a wonderful tool. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I agree with the plug-in thing. I, I, I'm much more, because um, I'm in a band, the developing the sound is more. I got to oh, do more. Yes. Yeah, I got to do more of that. So I, I do like a good yeah. plugin, but I don't really particularly yeah. like them because I can hear the difference between the plugin and the real, you know, sound. But right, they're, exactly. They're, they're we got expensive in, tastes. Yeah, really. <laughs> that's actually been my biggest pitfall uh, in my yes. studio. Is like mm-hmm. I know what it's supposed to sound like, and I know you cannot yes. get that in a tiny little cubby hole. Yeah. So my biggest pitfall is like not buying too much stuff. And I've been very, very strict about it. I have my ridiculous computer. I've got a great drum machine. I've got really good Mm. speakers, two sets, Mm -hmm. a good cheap off screen, because that's so important, and a really good interface. And that's kind of all you need. You know? Yeah, you uh, need to if you if you got a really cut and a vocal, really good mic, you need I that chain re- to be good. Yes, you deserve a, a good mic. I got yeah. a very very good mic. Yeah, because I yep. I had I, I tried two different ones and they sounded. I just this this is not how so my voice different. Is sound. So yes. I yeah now so in the end I just was like got two mics. Everyone recommended them, not good. 
And then I support annoyment. I was like, let's stop. Oh, yep, exactly. Stop messing about here. I think that the COVID has really changed the nature of how people write songs and how people do music and stuff. And I also feel like, you know, it's interesting that you said at the beginning of the conversation that you've written songs you're going to release one a week because one of the questions I was going to ask you is that do you believe in albums? Do you think it's better for you to do mm. one single a month and not do an album? Or Well, I'm going to do one single a month out of, I would say, respect for the industry and the, and the marketing needs. Um, I do believe in albums because I'm an album listener. I get excited when someone has an album. I really, I love to hear why they put the tracks in that order, the communication of the storyline. I love albums. And I think um, it's one of those things where I need to get get myself some runway so that I can be consistently releasing. Uh, I definitely plan on an album. Mm. Um, It is a matter of making sure I have runway to have releases queued up. Yeah. By myself a little time. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see when we get there. But I, I do think, like, it's probably a lofty goal. I'm not sure that I would have the confidence to say, like, put stamp my name on it and be like, it's finished. That is 12 incredible songs and they're all connected. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because if you've done, if you've done, like, so many songs, they are kind of connected because it's your... Oh, I yeah. Know, it's, your, it's your voice that's connected. I mean, how is it in terms of being an independent artist? I mean, how far would you take that? Would you sign to a record deal? Would you license? Would you... Um, yeah. how, how would you work it out? Would you do it in the way that you're doing it now? Or yeah. would you change change it up if you're going to do an album? Because it's something that I, I think um, is... We've been yeah. independent artists and we license our stuff for the last... Um, 12 years now we stopped doing record deals when we started doing things um yeah we still do record deals but we license to them we don't yes sign exactly those you keep big, your master we keep yeah. our masters we keep our rights we give them you know five ten years or something like that yeah you know yeah i so uh in relationships in professional relationships i am a little i'm a little confident i'm a little stubborn and i'm a, i know um i'm kind of holding my worth i can afford to fortunately um in that I'm, I'm making enough in music to keep my business going. And I do, I think that honestly, you're probably the type of career that I picture and say, you, you got to earn your way into the clout that gets you mm. licensing deals. And so far I haven't been offered anything decent. So <laughs> yeah, six um, I, yeah, yeah. I believe too much in my, in my skill. And also um, we've been, my husband's worked in the record industry and, you know, it's Nashville. We've all got friends that have been in all the different departments, and and we don't have a, I don't have starry eyes about a savior of that kind um, platforming me really well. So, uh, yeah, when the timing's right, when the people are right, when the deal is right. I mean, I think that I'd be open to that. Yeah. yeah, I think record labels haven't learned a lesson at all, really. I mean, I think that yeah. uh, historically they've been. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about the, um, a documentary, Blackness of Rock, when you touched on that. That historically they haven't. Um, They've always abused the artist, and and now oh, yeah. we see with streaming, you know, the fact that yeah. they get hundreds of millions of pounds, dollars, whatever, from streaming companies for the artist's music, and then they don't pass yeah. it on to the music. It's like Absolutely. record labels have not learned a thing. So um, sure. I, I really don't. And blame now they're them. that's why we stop doing. They're buying deals. fan bases. They're buying yeah. fan bases. They're signing artists based on fan base, and Likes if and I already followers. had that, I wouldn't need you. <laughs> 
Exactly. They don't want to. They don't want to throw in any. I, I think that's. Skin. I think that's a wonderful thing about now is that we can market directly to our own artists, um, and we can do lots of different things um, with them on tour and just go straight to the artists and not and license. Yeah. You know, have, because record companies are now accountants. I think a lot of them. I think it's right, like, it's and that's a, a cheaper deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's better deals for that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I have a healthy a healthy skepticism uh, for sure. Yeah. Next week we have uh, International Women's Day, and and it, I always get a bit of a groan in my head when it comes around because I always think that yeah, not much changes, and you you kind of get asked to do the same things every year. Um, you know, when we first started talking before we started recording, you were talking about um, we were talking about the blackness of rock and how you know rock music used to be this black thing that came from gospel and blues and whatever. And and in my documentary in 1964, when the Beatles came to America, that's when genres mm. appeared because that's when rock music got separated from being a black thing to being a, a white thing. I mean, how mm. do you think things have turned in terms of like you were talking about how you loved punk, punk and and Indian, but then what was this annoying thing that you felt that oh yeah, yeah that that they were all White yeah, boys. men on stage, white boys on stage, and girls in the crowd, and the, the groupie dumb, and the just the platforming of just m- man worship, <laughs> um, just men on stage and girls in the crowd, and and even so, it to me it, it took. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I when I write, I'm actually jokingly right now, I'm like, I want to appropriate male culture, I want to appropriate male dominance, I want to. I'm the man, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, and women like you just being absolutely badass, like, oh yeah, that's right. That's that's a thing that can exist. I remember I worked I worked in live TV on the production side in the talent department, and that was the first time that I saw like strong women in power and women leading teams and women not being anything other than who they were and not having to it was like a microcosm where women were like actually respected as leaders as far as i could tell and it was a first like oh my god i didn't realize what example was missing in my life until i saw you Mm. you know um so i was just I, i still think there's a lot of disparity to me it's hard to find a like a there's just not as many like rocker women strong you said, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I might be wrong. <laughs> I might be looking it, in the wrong place. It was really bigger in the 90s, and now it kind of disappeared. Now it's kind of coming back a bit. You know, there's a lot of very strong females yeah. independently and, and yeah, indie yeah. music and all that kind of stuff. So, one thing I didn't touch upon that I want to ask you about was like actually the topics of your songs um, and also your image in your videos. I watched about 10 of, like, I think all of your videos last night. And, uh, nice. <laughs> of, and, and, it's, and I love the fact that, you know, you're talking about very passionate stuff and very and the way that you translate what's happening the story that you want to tell in the lyrics is really intriguing and really wonderful and i love the storytelling and i love the androgyny as well in the look you know? thank you because it's just yeah. kind of like don't you get tired of it yeah yes I that's, guess is that a deliberate, that... deliberate decision yeah i think that's born out of even so every time i watch every time the grammys comes around or something it is really hard to see yourself as a not i'm not a hyper um you know, curvy, like thigh highs, like I'm not like a, a sex queen of, of, um, it just feels like, oh crap, in order to get there, I need to sell this product. And I just refuse. (laughs) 
And so I kind of just counteracting that. I've been working out a lot and enjoying like changing my physical body into something really physically strong. Um, and I think that's coming out maybe in the androgynous thing that I've always enjoyed aesthetically. And now maybe I'm like stepping into it more comfortably. Yeah, it's you interesting know. because I think that's one thing that hasn't changed since the 90s. I mean, when I came out, it was very kind of like, oh, you know, she's not very girly or feminine, you know. I mean, you mm. know, I considered myself quite hot, you know. It's like, I look good, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the perception of what is hot for, for a woman, you know, yeah. hasn't really changed in all of these years. I mean, uh, when for we sure. talk about International Women's Day, that's the one thing I want to say. It's just like, it's the yeah. same old thing. Women are supposed to be hot and sexy and beautiful. And the first thing yeah. we get is a compliment to say, oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, we're completely valued by our looks and then the artistry second so I thought it was interesting that you it's almost like you're hiding your looks because it's almost like yeah you know what this is a song and this is a production and this is a story and stop centering on you know you know my physique and how hot I am or I'm not you know yeah yeah um and it's funny when we watch I would say like marketing campaigns are a great um thermometer for where we actually are because they just follow whatever they need to follow yeah uh so you know they say like the future will be marketed that's that's uh very true so all beauty campaigns it was like in response to ultra skinny models it was real women have curves in response to everything they just go to they instead of saying your physical nature is not the essence of who you are they say here's why your difference in physical nature is also beautiful. And like, I get that, but we're just so much more, our existence is not just so physical. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, I just think as a musician, even as like a, like even woman to me, that is like the skin of an apple. Me being a woman is part of it, but there's so much where we're just essence. We're just human and I'm a creator. Yeah. More than I'm a woman, you know. And we're so completely different because I remember at one point this was like anti skinny thing, and I'm like, you know, there's nothing wrong with women being skinny. There's nothing wrong with women being big, and there's nothing wrong with women being skinny, and there's nothing wrong Mm. with any of it. You know, you don't have to go from one to the other. It's kind of like there's nothing wrong with light skinned women. There's, you know, we don't have to go from light skinned women to the blackest women that we've ever seen. You know, we just have to say it's all good. It's all right. It's all great. Right. So, yeah, I was just going to end with what's happening uh, in the future. So, you're going to release one song uh, a month uh, with a video, right? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing a, quality video every time which is crazy um yeah probably sacrificing my short form for doing high quality long form i'm gonna keep putting music out that i stand behind and um pick up partners along the way as needed and are you uh, directing and doing all the video stuff for the videos as well um i am working with a director jt mccreary who is really just in such an excellent job of interpreting my intention with the music and really enjoying the androgynous thing too um so we work together on the creative i do pretty much like the set design because that's where i've always done set design so i do that but yeah um my sister directed actually and shot the last video alive which was um the most like kind of stripped down aesthetic so that was really fun departure but yeah we'll be back at it 
Good for you. Well, listen, I'm going to be plugging you and playing every time you come out with a track. I'm going to find an excuse to play while, while I'm on the air. Thank I, you so I do much. seasons. Like, so I do like eight or 12 weeks or 40 weeks and then I That's go on discount and then I come back at various parts of the year. But um, it's just a delight to you. It's interesting that, you know, so cool. you're doing the videos, you're doing everything. And, and, and I just I'm very excited by that. Um, and for the International Women's Week, I'm just really happy that I got to chat yes. to you. Just a badass yes. woman. Let's do it at all. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for having me. Mena, listen, I urge you to go and listen to her. Go and check her out. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a nice review if you enjoyed it. Um, and please get in touch with me. Tweet me at Skin Skinny uh, with any comments that you have. I would love to hear them. I have another one of my favorite up and coming artists joining me next week. So keep an eye out for that. One.